Hello, my name is Dr. Kim Farina, and I'm a veterinarian and host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. In 2021, we're focusing on topics like communication, leadership, business, technology. I would say a potpourri of areas that are needed to succeed, and most importantly, to be happy and healthy in veterinary medicine. Sure, we may be able to perform a gorgeous anastomosis, but can we mentally thrive in the profession? I think we absolutely can, thanks to the guests we have planned for this year. There will also be an emphasis on corporate veterinary practice and veterinary member groups. So for veterinarians who work in these settings, this may be super helpful for you. Season six has two episodes. One episode focuses on COVID fatigue. And today's episode, we're doing a deep dive on current technology in veterinary medicine and ideas for the future. We also cover how technology can help with COVID-related issues within the profession. And one last thing, what would a pause and reflect with Zoetis episode be without a quiz that has nothing to do with veterinary medicine? Well, of course we have one of those for our guest today. We'll see how he does. Speaking of guests, Dr. Caleb Frankel joins us today, the founder and CEO of Instinct Science, and he's also an emergency veterinarian at Blue Pearl. Welcome to the show, Dr. Frankel. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> we're glad you're here. So today we're going to talk about tech. So that means we're going to explore the use of technology in veterinary medicine. But let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me. I'm Caleb. So I'm an ER veterinarian by trade. I, I still practice um, about a day a week, uh, not as much as I used to. But uh, I've spent my entire career in specialty and emergency uh, medicine in, in mostly large specialty hospitals. And um, as you'll learn, I'm crazy and started a software company, um, not something that is, uh, I think, normal for a practicing veterinarian, um, but it's called Instinct. And that pretty much consumes my life um, for the past four years, roughly. All right, so let's, you introduced it, so let's go right to it. So you're the founder and CEO of Instinct Science. So Instinct, as I understand, is a software platform for emergency hospitals or specialty hospitals. So tell us more about what it is and what it does. Yeah, sure. So so uh, we started this company about, uh, like I said, three or four years ago. And what we started um, to try to do was chew away at some of the operational problems in um, uh, veterinary hospitals. I am an efficiency obsessed practitioner. Um, I always have been. I, I joke that I'm the practice manager's worst nightmare because um, I like to tinker and try things and some of those work and some don't. And uh, you know, one of the operational areas I've identified that really needed help was um, on patient flows, you know, um, the ordering, the treatments, the tracking. And so when we started Instinct, we actually made a name for ourselves, which is what you mentioned, in specialty emergency hospitals. And we built a platform we call Instinct Treatment Plan. And it sort of digitizes the, the even if you're a, a paperless practice and you use a practice management software, most practices, 90% do what we uh, built instinct treatment plan to do on paper. Um, and so we're sort of plugging into the practice management software and taking over things like inpatient treatment sheets and TV screens. Um, so there's status boards that are automated and, and we're really helping uh, hospitals do three main things. One is improve staff efficiency um, greatly. Two is help with um, 
miss charge capture. So as mm -hmm. most people know, most practices are losing charges um, on services they perform, but never bill for. So we're automating that. And then the third thing we do is why we're all here, which is uh, help with patient outcomes, patient care. Um, and, and that's what we did for the first, you know, one or two uh, years. And then um, we started building outpatient tools into that platform. So we actually serve general practices with some of those um, to help with outpatient workflows. Um, and then last year we decided uh, we weren't crazy enough and we uh, had heard enough from our hospitals that they loved that we what we were doing. But the most common thing we heard was, when can this be the whole thing? When can this be our whole software? And so um, we just launched something called Instinct EMR, which is our take on um, what I think is a completely different approach to practice management software for the future. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's kind of like the, not the doorknob to doorknob approach, but you really are taking it from like all aspects of the practice you're, you're covering it and making it so yeah. efficient, which is wonderful. Have you always been interested in technology and its implications in veterinary medicine? You mentioned that you like to tinker. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I've always been a hobby technologist, to be clear. Um, but I've I've said this before. You know, I, I always kind of say that if I thought a tire would fix some of the problems that you know we face in in the in the trenches of veterinary medicine, I would be starting and running a tire company. Um, but I don't. I, I love technology, especially software, because I truly believe that it um, it has the unique potential to solve some of these, you know, really um, difficult challenges that we face um, in everyday practice. And so, you know, that's how I got into this. I really see it as the way to solve a lot of these things. And and it can be magical when it's designed by people who really understand, you know, what we deal with in practice. But let's let's explore with um, how you started and with trying out the net, the new technology? How did this all just originate? Mm. Well, so I graduated from Penn in, um, in 2008 um, from Penn's vet school, and I did a rotating internship at a, a really large specialty hospital called Coral Springs Animal Hospital in South Florida. And when I, you know, when I got out of uh, vet school, many listening to this podcast, you know, know you're, you, when you're in vet school, you're just kind of blind and trying to survive and learn to be a clinician. And um, I, I was really blind to the state of operations and technology and practice. And I remember getting out into my internship in 2008. And remember, you know, technology was very different. The, you know, the, the phones were not a thing. I was carrying around a PDA, right? Um, so it, the state of technology was different, but um, we've come a long way there, uh, but we haven't with the other tools that we use in practice for, for our workflows. And, and I remember recognizing that, you know, in the most progressive types of centers, now the hospital I did my internship at, was um, run by a very innovative person named Lloyd Mizells. It won mul multiple Hospital of the Year awards. There was it was frictionless to try anything, to do anything better. Um, and, but the tools we had were really inadequate, and I I remember becoming obsessed with that, um, with this problem, and it encouraged me. You know, they encouraged me, and and this problem encouraged me to tinker with things. Um, I tried all kinds of you know. Uh, rudimentary technology fixes for various problems, whether it was, you know, using 
uh, Google Drive or um, Google's, um, you know, sheets that were emerging, um, Evernote. I mean, there were all kinds of things we tried. Um, and that led to me writing a blog about this, actually. Um, and uh, I started to share some of the ideas I was doing. I started speaking on it. I was on, um, you know, everybody around me encouraged me to, you know, do things that would help move the profession forward. I was on corporate advisory boards. And um, actually, that led to a really critical point in my career where I um, was consulting with a company called Brief Media. They published Clinician's Brief. And um, they were thinking about launching a point of care software division, but they were looking for a veterinarian to run it. And they sort of asked me to take over this role that I wasn't qualified for as a clinician. Um, and I did it and I learned, um, you know, so I took a job as new product development um, head there and directing new products um, there led us to build plums. Um, so the team that, um, you know, is building Instinct is actually the original team, including myself, who um, led the development of the plums application that every veterinarian uses. So um, so that's kind of where it all started. And I learned how to, you know, commercialize software and work with software engineers and design high quality point of care software. And um, from there, we started Instinct. We, we branched off. Yeah, that's great. I have plums right on my phone. So awesome. Let's talk about encouragement because as you mentioned, you know, there may be some listeners who are veterinarians early in their career and also have an interest in technology. So what advice would you have for them for sharing and using their ideas? Yeah, I mean, there's, there are so many things that could be better. Um, uh, so many challenges that we, you know, face in, in everyday practice. And um, I look at every frustration as an opportunity. Um, I'm definitely one of those people when something can be better, I, I have, you know, it, it's not a positive trait, probably, but I have an obsession to try to get to the bottom of can we make that better, right? Um, and I've always been wired that way. Uh, not everybody is, right? Everybody else is like, uh, I don't care that it takes 11 clicks to do that. I'll just come in every day and click 11 times, you know, and, and that's not me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, I guess it's it's an awesome time to be a veterinarian if you're paying attention. Let's put it that way, right? Um, and I'm, I am not trained to uh, build software or build a software company. Um, but I think, um, you know, the one thing I, I have learned is, um, veterinarians are unique, you know, what you'd call learning animals, right? I mean, nobody gets to the point where you're a practicing veterinarian if you haven't really honed the skill of learning, right? Um, there's no faking it to get to where we are. And so, you know, we're, we're, we can learn anything. Um, and that's kind of the mantra that I've, you know, taken on. And there are some things I don't like. I taught myself to code, right, at one point, because I thought that was going to be important. Um, I don't like it. I'm not good at it, by the way, which is probably why I don't like it. And so I moved on past that, but I did teach myself that. I I can talk the talk with my engineering team. And I think, you know, they have a, a level of respect for me because of that. And it helps us work better together because I can understand where they're coming from. So, you know, um, you can figure anything out. And uh, I think the first step is approaching it from a, let's start with the problems, right? Um, and let's start with the ones I'm interested in solving. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. I you know, since we're talking about technology um, and you're obviously so skilled in this area, it's time for our quiz. And I thought we would mix things up and give you a pause and reflect 
retro quiz. So I'm going to actually ask you a few questions about ancient inventions that shape today's technology. Now, don't worry about it because there's no prizes to win or lose. They, I don't even have a keychain to give you. Um, but um, our producer can play some cheering, you know, sound effects when you get things right. I have a bell for for encouragement. This is where this is the level we're at here. Um, but I, <laughs> I hope you have some fun. So, all right, retro quiz question number one. From Babylonian times, this is a calculating instrument that uses beads to slide along a series of wires or rods set in a frame for computations. What is it? An abacus. Very good. Nicely done. Question number two. <laughs> Many of Leonardo da Vinci's ideas resulted in modern inventions, but which one of these was not his idea? A, ball bearings. B, a parachute. C, an armored car, or D, automated doors? I'm going to go with ball bearings. No, that is not right. Sorry, he did invent those. Actually, the automated door. He did not invent that, but they were being used at approximately 1 AD. Can you believe that? I saw pictures of it. Huh, It's that's wild. really cool. All right, last one. Question number three. How do you get yourself up in the morning? And don't tell me, knowing you, now that I know you, it's like a Rube Goldberg machine or something. Although that wouldn't be very efficient, so that wouldn't fit you. Uh, today, a lot of people use their mobile phones to get themselves up in the morning for work. But those inventions all have their roots in one thing, a device that can make a lot of noise at a certain time. Someone famous way back when used one of these devices. Who was it and what did they use? This is tough. Yeah, and you know, for pe for people who aren't seeing the video form and seeing the audio form, I will just say that Dr. Frankel looks pained is is way too strong of a word for you. I would say you look you're like thinking hard right now. And, yeah, and yeah, I, I can see it. You're thinking. Do I get a clue? Okay, yeah, I'll give you a clue. A philosopher. A philosopher. A very okay. old philosopher. We're gonna go with. Plato, and we're going to go with um, a bag of rocks that drops from a ceiling or a door. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah, the best I have. That's great. I'm giving you a bell for that because it was Plato, and he was the <laughs> first. He was one of the first owners of an alarm clock way back in 428 BC. Plato used a large water clock with a sound similar to a water organ to let him know when his lectures would begin at dawn. So I don't know. The bag of rocks was pretty cool, though. That would be loud. And that would definitely wake you up. What do you use in the morning? So I use my cell phone, but I'll tell you a funny story. To get me up, I have an application that makes me do math to turn it to snooze. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, do you crank it up really loud? It doesn't have to be loud. I mean, it's it's annoying until I get the math problem right. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. My wife, my wife hates it because if I get it wrong, it just keeps going. Yes. Yes. That's what I can imagine. So you better be on your game, like, first thing. Get up. Yep. Get your math going. <laughs> wow, the things we learn about you, Caleb. This is, this is fascinating in all fronts. All right, so so let's get back. All right, we're going to get serious now. All right, so what are some of the most exciting technological advancements in veterinary medicine? What do you think? 
Um, yeah, well, instinct, obviously, yeah, right? Um, yes, obviously. <laughs> so no, seriously, there are so many. You know, I'm drawn. I'm drawn to anything that has an obvious impact on the care we provide our patients. So, um, you know, one thing that comes to mind is some of the innovations happening around digitized cytology. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are a bunch of companies doing this, but um, you know. I think those are really fascinating, especially for workflows in hospitals where I work, where, you know, obtaining a, a pretty stat, a pretty um, expedited read on, um, you know, a, a, a intraoperative cytology is really valuable. Um, I also think there's there are a lot of different things happening around modern ways to communicate with our clients um, in the various telehealth offerings that are you know pretty obvious and, and have emerged, uh, especially during the pandemic. And then I'll mention some of the innovations around workflow. So, for example, uh, I've had a lot of conversations recently with hospitals about introducing the scribe model into veterinary medicine. So, you know, not typical technology innovation, but really potentially powerful in, um, you know, in how we interact with our clients and our medical records and efficiency. So um, scribes are pretty common in human emergency rooms. And, and I'm seeing a lot of hospitals, uh, veterinary hospitals, um, start um, some pilots with these, which is really cool. Um, and then there's, you know, some innovations happening around client wait times, the ex wait and time and experience uh, of, uh, you know, um, hospital waiting rooms. That's really interesting. Things like pre-registration technology. Um, and, you know, I will say some of the things that we're working on at Instinct are pretty exciting around these too. We, you know, we have a data science team and we're trying to improve workflow through, um, you know, a better user experience, but also through things that, I, you know, um, that I, I kind of call lump into decision support, right? Um, so, um, you know, giving veterinarians tools at the point of care, which is really powerful, whether it's, you know, when you're putting um, a drug on a treatment sheet, having plums right there to help you make decisions about it, um, getting help making, um, you know, decisions, for example, if you prescribe a drug at a dose that potentially is um, dangerous, Instinct will step in and help you there. Um, and even, you know, things around predicting. Um, so we predict what the bill will be for um, our hospitals using algorithms in X hours so that they can inform clients and make better decisions around the care that they're scheduling. So um, I think there are so many things happening, uh, but those are the ones I'd mentioned. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And I think, you know, when you're talking about tools, of course, we have to talk about telehealth because how that part of technology is really helping veterinarians. What has your experience been with telehealth? Yeah, I mean, as an ER veterinarian, we don't obviously have much, you know, going on in, in uh, terms of the normal telehealth um, applications that, uh, you know, the general practitioners are using it for, or even specialty services. But I, I like to remind everybody that the emergency, um, you know, uh, workflows, we're, you know, in teams, we're sort of the OG when it comes to telehealth, because we have a deep partnership with, you know, poison control, our, our existing relationship with animal poison controls is truly telehealth. And we've been doing it for a while. And nobody's ever called it that right until recently. Um, but that's what it is. And, and, um, and, you know, we certainly um, use telehealth in other untraditional, you know, more traditional ways, I should say, like, you know, we certainly um, are on the phone with our clients very commonly, um, you know, we're using things like 
sending video messages or um, obtaining, you know, uh, information through, um, you know, technology like texting or emailing. Um, but we're not, you know, we're, we're we're not using it in the same ways as other people are with, you know, for example, video appointments and um, starting to charge around those. Um, so, you know, one thing I would say is I've talked to a lot of people about how you charge for that. And I think, um, you know, anybody getting into telehealth, um, I, I, I would, um, I would encourage you to charge for your time. And there are lots of ways to think about that. Um, but that's what I'd say in terms of our experience with it so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, but I'd like to just ask any advice for a veterinarian just starting off wanting to use telehealth and just, you know, again, we talked about it a little, but is there anything that for an early career veterinarian, any way they should look at it? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. I mean, one is start with the problem that you're trying to solve. There are so many um, technology solutions searching for a problem these days. Um uh, that, you know, you can kind of just drown in all the different things out there. And so, you know, I would, I would, I always encourage hospitals to first sit down and look at your frustrations, look at things that could be better and have a meaningful impact on your client care or your patient care and start there. Um, and so if you identify places there where telehealth can help. So for example, you are booked out. This is a common one right now for four weeks, right? You can't take an appointment, but you obviously have suture rechecks you, um, or wound rechecks you need to do that maybe don't even require suture removal. Well, that seems like an obvious place for telehealth, right? Um, and, uh, but then, you know, people start, like I was just saying, thinking about, well, how do we charge for that? Well, one of the things I've seen is really powerful. And this is the second, you know, piece of advice I would give is rethink how you charge for things like this. So for example, in that case, um, I've seen a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, benefits to wrapping that charge into your surgery charge. Okay, um, so you know you basically estimate your surgery for the client in that case, um, and one of the line items is the recheck exams, right? And uh, or the telehealth recheck exams, and they're charged for upfront. And you you know you get to tell the client this is all one bundle. Um, you know the rechecks won't cost you anything more. We're going to do them over video. We have an application for this, um, and you turn you you basically create a new revenue center that uh, is more is more aligned with everything that you're trying to do. Um, better for the patients and frictionless with your clients. So um, so I think those are the, some of the powerful things I've seen for people starting out. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of want to ask you on a more global approach, we have to talk about COVID. We, we paired this episode with our COVID episode, our COVID fatigue episode, because telehealth obviously can help with COVID related mm -hmm. issues. So if we, if we were to step back a little bit and look at this problem, you know, on a much larger scale, how does technology help veterinarians in these trying times? Like if we were to yeah. really look back. I mean, COVID, there's so many things, so many types of COVID fatigue right now, right? Um, it, there's, but there are also so many positives. Um, you know, I know that's weird to say that, that kind of I try to think about to help get through this because, um, it, COVID fatigue can just weigh you down if you just keep thinking about all the negatives. And, um, I, I wrote an article on our, um, instinct blog about some of the surprising things that, um, you know, that, that we've, that I've identified and, and kind of, you know, thought is a really interesting part of it. One, one example is, you know, for the first time in the emergency room, I get to sit down basically all day and listen to my colleagues next to me 
um, have their conversations with the clients because we, we don't have an exam room system right now. Everybody's on the phone seeing cases, right? Um, and uh, I get to hear how all of my colleagues explain things to their clients. Uh, I get to, for the first time, really see their bedside manner. It's on full display how they deal with difficult situations. I can coach my younger veterinarians on things more easily and, and they get to hear me. And um, I think that's a really cool thing. And, and since the beginning, I've started paying attention a little more to it. Um, I think it can be really powerful and just in terms of client and patient care to learn from each other in that way. Um, I Many times I've gotten off the phone and a colleague will say, I've never heard somebody explain something like that. That's really cool, I'm gonna use that. And that, that just helps the world you know, uh, go around a little bit. And I've done the same for other, you know, taking things that I hear that are awesome from other colleagues. So technology has so many ways to help from connecting us all. But I think everybody starts to think about all the flashy things. And that's like a really small, silly technology thing that's pretty interesting, right? Um, you know, there are also all kinds of other things that technology is doing to connect us all, right? Like uh, Zoom happy hours and game nights. And we have an article on our blog about that, too, if you want to uh, see how um, we've pulled some veterinarians doing things like this. Um, but uh, the other thing that I've seen really interest uh, in an interesting way is um, safety systems. So the pandemic has created some really unsafe situations in our hospitals. Um, Many haven't thought about that, but we've, you know, here's an example that I think is really fascinating. And that's that we we have seen in specialty hospitals um, constant reports during the pandemic of owners going home with other patients' medications, not their own patient, right? Or <clears throat> mixing up patients' medications in one bag. This just seems to keep happening um, at hospitals. I keep hearing it. And when you really think about why that's happening is, well, A, our volume's really high, so mistakes are gonna happen more. Um, but, uh, but B, um, you know, we used to sit down in the exam room. There was a safe gap where a nurse or a doctor would pull the meds out of the bag one by one and go over them. That's gone, right? Um, and so we've seen patients come back for rechecks, taking other medications, things they should not be on. Thankfully, I've never heard of or seen, uh, you know, a, a, an actual life-threatening situation because of this. But, you know, that's that's really not good. And and so technology can step in and help. We've built a checklist system in Instinct that helps reduce this. Um, this is a perfect place for a medical checklist. Um, it provides, you know, they can't check the patient out without doing this. It um, provides full accountability so you can look back to coach if something does happen. Um, and it's a simple way to use technology. You don't need Instinct to make a checklist like that, by the way. Um, you know, you can do that with most anything. Um, but I think that's a really interesting example of that. Yeah, I, I love I love what we what we're talking about right now, everything from communications to the safety part of it that has been compromised that you wouldn't even you took for granted, quite honestly, before COVID. Yeah. And yep. I think those are all just really um, eye opening. I think for our listeners that are that may, you know, people listening in the car or whatever might go, Oh yes, I mm -hmm. totally forgot about that. Um, so I think those are yeah. really, um, really insightful. I, I have one last question for you. We're unfortunately really out of time, but I'm squeezing one more in. In terms of, do you have any advice for people who or veterinarians who want to be CEOs of their own company? Anything that you've learned that you'd pass on? Uh, well, I, I'll say honestly, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, and that includes veterinary school. Um, but I love it. And it's mostly because of the impact that we're having, right? Like, 
Um, the, the thought that, um, you know, in cities around the world, um, the application that we're building and supporting is helping keep patients safe, even that one small thing is, is so um, overwhelming for us. I try to remind my team of it at every point. Um, the love we get from our customers about what we're building is really exciting and it keeps powering us. But, um, but also, you know, the impact I have on the 35-ish people and their families that work at Instinct, that's, that's pretty overwhelming for me. So it helps you get through this. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with um, the same advice someone gave me when my wife and I were having kids, we're about to have kids for the first time, which is it's 99% awesome. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people dwell on the 1% of negatives and there are negatives, trust me, to running the company. Um, you know, you have your you have your days and your weeks that are really tough. But I like to, you know, remind myself that it really is 99% awesome. And I feel very fortunate that I'm able to do it. And um, if anybody wants advice on it, I'm, my door's open. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Well, I think this episode has been 100% awesome. Really, you have just, <laughs> Dr. Frankel, you have been amazing. So thank you for thank joining you. us. You're welcome. It was, yeah, I, I just feel like we learned so much in just such a short little time. Can we just keep going? How about, how about we just make this a ma- an all-day podcast? Where, you know? So I think we definitely have to have you back. My goodness. So this is the second episode of season six of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. But do not be disappointed because, look, I'm going to try to get Dr. Frankel back. There will be more seasons coming soon. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to, and you will be notified when it launches. I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. Season 7 is on its way. <laughs>